The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. As you would have heard in the news headlines here throughout the day, uh, Ross Gray's only operating hotel racket hall is going to see 40 rooms repurposed. That is the plan to accommodate 160 asylum seekers, but not if protesters outside the building have their way. This is the latest in a long line of such protests. Ono Mara Walsh is Chief Executive of the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation and he joins me now. Oh, and like I say, what we're seeing in Ross Grey, we have seen around the country uh, and setting aside the kind of the rights and wrongs of protests and immigration issues, which we talk an awful lot about on this show. You, I know, want to talk about the reliance on the hospitality sector and the infrastructure of the hospitality industry. How big of an issue is that for you? Well, it is. It's a big issue. I mean, my main point is that the state's ongoing over-reliance on hotels and guest houses for refugees and asylum seekers is having a profound impact on the tourism economy. So Fortune Ireland, which is the state agency for tourism, estimate that one in five tourism bedrooms nationally are now contracted to the government for humanitarian reasons. So you can imagine that's a hugely destabilizing uh, impact on the tourism economy. You can imagine if one in five cranes were taken out of a construction site. Um, so it's a, it's a big issue and one we're very worried about. The impact, I assume, on, on the industry, as you describe it, extends beyond the hotels and guest houses themselves. Because, of course, they're, they're still making money. That's right. I mean, it, this is not a compulsory purchase order by the government. This this is a contractual arrangement between um, hotels and guest houses and, and the government. And and the, the accommodation sector receives a, a payment from the government on a monthly basis for the services they provide. Sometimes it's very delayed, but that's a whole different story. But it's the downstream tourism economy that I'm particularly worried about. So the attractions, the restaurants, the pubs, the tourist shops, the the bike hire companies. You know, there are tourism towns up and down the length and breadth of the country without an adequate supply of tourism beds and therefore with very little tourism activity. And that has very serious economic consequences for for towns and and, and regions throughout the country. Now, I'm sure people in government listening to this would be, would be nodding along in broad agreement. This is not what they would like to be doing, but they might say this is this is all we can do. There's nowhere else to put people. Yeah, I mean, it, it's frustrating because we've been banging on about this now for at least 18 months. And we were always told at the outset by, indeed, by the Taoiseach and certainly by the Minister for Tourism, that this was a short-term solution. And hotels and guest houses and B&Bs, to give them their dues, stepped forward and 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 you know, uh, came to a commercial arrangement and took in lots of refugees and asylum seekers. But now, you know, we're, we're 18 months down the track and the situation is, is just incrementally getting worse and, and, and less and less um, tourism accommodation is available. And I think the thing to, to remember, Kieran, for, for all your listeners, is that tourism is the largest indigenous industry the country has. It's the biggest regional employer. There's, there's big swathes of the country without, without, you know, FDI, without multinationals, without manufacturing. And tourism is often the only show in town. And if you have a town or, or, or indeed a, a broader region, uh, without an adequate stock of hotels and guest houses, that, that has a really serious impact. Fulcher Ireland, who I mentioned before, who, who have estimated the 20% of rooms um, gone from the tourism economy, they also estimate that that's going to cost the Irish tourism industry 1.1 billion euro over an annual period. So it has a real mm. impact on on livelihoods, on jobs. I mean, even the hotels that um, sign up to uh, the government for the, the uh, refugees and asylum seekers, they probably employ less people because they, they're not, if you like, providing the full hospitality service 
as they'd be expected for, for, for tourists. So, I mean, hotels, by their very definition, should be for short-term yeah. visitor use. So the, 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 very, the very definition of hotels is being changed in front of our eyes. And, you know, we were told it was a short-term solution. You know, we're now 18 months into this. It's, it's definitely mm-hmm. medium-term. The fear is that it's going to be long-term and it's going to change the whole tourism landscape of the country. Yeah, I, in, in fairness, again, to government, I, I'm sure when they made those assurances at the, at the outset of this war, they didn't expect it to, to last as long as it did, or maybe that was a triumph of hope over expectation. Um, they also possibly expected to be able to bring online things like uh, modular bills much quicker. I know Roderick O'Gorman at the outset talked about that, but I mean, they've been dogged by delays on that front in terms of, um, uh, you know, uh, just acquiring the assets themselves. You know, modular they, bills they, don't kind of fall out of the sky. So again, they're, they're kind of between a rock and a hard place. They are to a certain extent, but as I say, you know, this has been going on for, you know, n- nearly two years at this stage. And I, I think an, an alternative plan is needed urgently from government as to how refugees and asylum seekers are to be accommodated. So you mentioned modular housing, which we've heard mentioned lots of time. We actually haven't seen the, the delivery of many units, but there's state institutions, there's unused local authority buildings, there's vacant dwellings, you know, there's lots of mm. other forms of accommodation. The, the problem as well, I guess, I'm sorry to cut across you, I, I, uh, even as you mentioned vacant uh, buildings or vacant dwellings, um, the other difficulty, and this is a difficulty for government because it's a political one, is to be seen housing Ukrainians or refugees or asylum seekers in actual houses when there are 12, 13,000 people homeless in this country. I mean, that is something that we can discuss the rights and wrongs of it all you want. No government is going to do it. Just politically yeah, speaking, the optics would yeah. be terrible. Yeah, but even the, even the CSO in some of their figures, I think they point to about 50,000 holiday homes around the country. Um, so, you know, maybe people should be incentivized more to give holiday homes over for maybe the winter months to refugees and asylum seekers. Because after all, remember, you know, a, a family who have fled a war, you know, the best place for them is not necessarily a small hotel room week after week, month after month. Um, so it's, it's inappropriate accommodation for both the refugees, but also it's, it's as I say, it, it's, it's removed a huge chunk. I mean, the main chunk to a certain extent of the whole tourism mm. economy. And, you know, there's 250,000 people employed in the tourism and hospitality sector in Ireland. As I say, it's the largest indigenous industry. And if the government and the state remains over-reliant on the sector and keeps eating yeah. into the available uh, accommodation stock that we have, then the tourism economy is going to have a major problem and that's going to, you know, have, have significant consequences both for local economies and the national economy. Yeah, look, it's, it's very hard to argue with that or, or not to feel huge sympathy with, you know, a, a restaurant or a pub or another business that's, you know, close yeah. to one of these hotels yeah. and they've got I mean, nobody I, coming through the doors anymore. Yeah. And, I, and I don't want to kind of keep shooting down suggestions, but at the same time, um, I mean, the idea of holiday homes, th- that's great now. Who's in a holiday home in January? But I mean, what do we do in March and April when people want their holiday homes yeah. back? They'd, they'd be back into the hotels when the hotels are getting busy yeah. uh, again suppose, for other things. I, yeah. I suppose what would, what would reassure the tourism industry, uh, Kieran, is that, you know, if there was a published plan from government, okay. you know, as to, as to where we're going on this trip, because, you know, we, you know, we, 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 as I say, at the outset, it was mentioned that hotels and guest houses and B&Bs would be a short-term solution. It's now pretty evident that that's not the case. How many more bedrooms are going to be taken from the tourism economy for this purpose? Um, I would argue that we're very much at a tipping point. 
And, you know, there, as, as I say, there's tourism towns uh, right around the country along the Wild Atlantic Way who don't have a lot of other economic activity, who won't have much tourism this summer as a result of state um, decisions. And I think uh, an alternative plan needs to be put in place or else it's just going to have significant um, significant consequences that we could all do without. Yeah, well, it, it, there, there was a dedicated plan before the war in Ukraine broke out that Roderick O'Gorman and government published and it, it included um, a... a construction of, of several dedicated reception centres, so no longer the use of these old institutional buildings. Now, obviously what happened after the invasion of Ukraine put paid, paid to that idea for a time, but it, it, one would wonder whether it is time to kind of resurrect it or a version of it or get the ball rolling. I know it is difficult, no kind of resources are finite and there's not enough builders out there. At the same time, the government are awash with money and it couldn't cost all that much to build a number of dedicated reception centres. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I'm not saying that the tourism and, and, and hospitality and, and tourism accommodation sector won't play their role. We will play their role. We've been shown to play our role. But I don't think we should be the primary accommodation uh, provider to the detriment of a much broader industry. And I really think an alternative plan needs to be put in place. Uh, I mean, you know, I mentioned one in five bedrooms nationally, but if you look at, at in different parts of the country, it's much higher in certain parts of the country. You know, County Clare, for example, the last figures I saw in County Clare was about, you know, 33% to 35% of all the tourism bedrooms were gone. So, you know, you can imagine the Burren or the Cliffs of Moher, you know, having, having you know, been greatly impacted by the fact that visitors have nowhere to stay within the region. Well, uh, for what it's worth, uh, Minister O'Gorman did, I think only a couple of weeks ago, reiterate the government's plan to to build those reception centres. But I mean, the plan has been announced before and we still don't have them. So uh, we hope it is seen through this time. Uh, Owen, thank you for joining us. Owen O'Mara Walsh is Chief Executive of the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.